Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. It won't surprise you to know the unrest in today's world has many people living in fear. But you might be surprised to learn the same was true in Jesus' time. Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah considers how Christ eased those concerns with keys for overcoming a troubled heart. From living with confidence in a chaotic world, here's David with the conclusion of his message, Stay Calm. And thank you for joining us. I am delighted to have you along today for this time of teaching and learning. We're talking about living with confidence in a chaotic world. John 14 is our passage, and you can find your place there in the New Testament as you get ready to join us in just a few minutes as we open the Scriptures together. During the month of April, we are focusing our attention on a series of messages entitled Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. We have a brand new edition of this book, and uh, we would love to send it to you as our way of saying thank you for your support of this ministry. Here's how you can get a copy of the book. It's 230 pages. It's a beautiful, uh, soft-cover book that uh, will be a blessing to you. I, I know that because the truth in this book is just Scripture. It's not so much what I have to say. It's pointing people to the Scripture for such a time as this. This book is yours for a gift of any size during the month of April. What that means is if you'll send a gift to Turning Point and help us with the cost that is so expensive these days, airtime and production for radio, uh, your gift helps us do that and makes the message of the Word of God available to so many more people. And we want to say thank you for your gift with this book. So send your gift, make it as generous as you can, but give what you believe God wants you to give. And whatever your gift, whatever the size of your gift, just say in your letter or in your correspondence or on your email or however you do this, just say, send me the book on confidence and we'll do it. It'll be on its way to you before you know it. Now let's get started with part two of chapter one, part two of the first lesson, Stay Calm, John 14, 1 to 6. I grew up in a good family. My daddy was a preacher. And we lived in a little village in Ohio named Cedarville. And I remember when we built our house. I remember watching the guys build the basement and how the house went up. And all four of us kids and mom and dad moved into that house. And we lived there all through high school. And, and I went to college there because my father became the president of Cedarville College. So I went to college there. And we lived there through college years. And then Don and I went off to seminary. And lo and behold, one day I get this call from my dad saying... We're moving out. I said, what do you mean we're moving out? He said, well, your mother and I have decided that one of these days, probably not too long from now, one of us is going to move out of this house. And we decided we thought it would be good if we just moved out together. So we're moving out. I said, well, where in the world are you moving to? Oh, we're downsizing. And they moved into a mobile home out at the edge of Cedarville. But I want to tell you something. God the Father is never moving out. He's not going to downsize. The Father's house is going to stay like it is. And the Bible says, in the Father's house, 
there's a place for us. I read a little statement that says this. When the destination is certain, the journey becomes worthwhile. And the destination, friends, is certain. We have a destination that is bigger than any of the problems we will ever face on this earth. If it all ended tonight for all of us, we'd just get promoted and upgraded and we go to a better place. Almighty God created the world in seven days and he's been working on heaven for thousands of years. What do you think he's doing up there? He's creating a place for us, a mansion. Now, I know the word mansion gets thrown around and sometimes misunderstood. I'm not really sure what the word means, but translated out of the language of the New Testament, the word really means rooms. In our Father's house, there are many rooms. And I don't want you to think it's some kind of a tenement building with a bathroom down the hallway. No, 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 it's not going to be like that. It simply means that there's going to be plenty of room for everybody who goes to heaven, and it's going to be an incredible place. It's going to be a place where we will be at home like we have never, ever been at home on this earth. In my Father's house are many mansions. The language of an ultimate home is a powerful thought. In fact, as I studied for this project, I got caught up in this for a little bit. I had to kind of shut it off because I was getting off the subject. But you realize how many people, this is what they live for, building the next home. Home's an incredibly powerful draw to people. It means something different to every person, but it's a longing that all of us have together. Home, no matter how humble, is the place where we begin life. It's a place where we have to leave to build an adult life. And the yearning to recapture the basic security that we knew in our home growing up is a sense of belonging that remains in us, and we can't ever get rid of it. And God has placed it that way. The Bible says God has set eternity in our hearts. I believe that God created us with a little vacuum that can only be filled with the presence of himself. And a part of that presence is the longing to be at home with God where he is. And you can see this longing throughout history if you study it. The first thing men do when they get wealthy is they build their dream house. Isn't that true? Don't you know a lot of people have done, I'm going to build my dream house. In some cases, they get consumed by this quest. In the 18th century, King Ludwig of Bavaria nearly bankrupted his German nation by building palace after palace, and he had to be removed from power, and his greatest castle never did get completed. In the United States, we have two massive mansions. In North Carolina, we have the Biltmore House, and in California, we have the Hearst Mansion. I've been in both. The Biltmore House has 250 rooms. 34 bedrooms, 43 bathrooms. George Washington Vanderbilt nearly depleted his incredible fortune and completing the estate and died after just a couple of years of living in the home that he spent his whole life building. And the home of William Randolph Hearst has more than 165 rooms, a much smaller place. 127 acres of gardens, terraces, pools, and walkways. And a heart attack took him away before he could enjoy the fruit of his labor. In both cases, tourists have come out as the only winners. (laughs) You can see, as you study history and compare it with the truth of the Bible, that there is within each of us a longing for home. 
And we all know, do we not, that a home is an intangible thing, composed of love and relationships and peace. Heaven may be like a mansion or a billion mansions, but no ornamentation or architecture will make it precious to us. What will make heaven home is the presence of our Lord and Savior there and us surrounding the table with him and fellowship with him. That's what the Bible says. None of us knows what the future holds. None of us can tell what's going to happen tomorrow. And our own crisis may overtake us before this next year is over. But my prayer for you is that you come through your crisis strong. And this can be a time of maturity for all of us, helping us to understand what is really important in that While we enjoy the things that God has given us on this earth, this is transient. This is not permanent. This is temporary. You know, I don't care where you are in life. Somewhere in the future, if the Lord tarries, somebody else is going to live in the house you live in right now. But if you look past that and you look to the promise of Almighty God, you will understand that if you're a Christian, if you know the Lord, wow, you got something ahead of you that no one can measure. You have a promise of a place. Jesus said, my disciples, I know you're filled with anxiety, but let me give you some things to hang on to. Number one, I want you to believe in a person. And then I want you to believe in a place. And then thirdly, I want you to believe in a promise. In my father's house are many mansions. And if it were not so, I would have told you, I go and prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am, there you may be also. Now some people have taken this passage of scripture and interpreted it as what happens to us when we die. When we die, he comes and gets us and takes us to our mansion. But there's no evidence of that in the Bible whatsoever. In fact, over in the book of Luke, we discovered that it's not the Lord who comes and gets us at death, it's the angels, right? It is nothing to be sneezed at that the Lord Jesus has promised us That when we put our trust in him and when we know him personally as the Lord and Savior of our life, one day he's going to come back and his purpose in coming back is to take us to the place that he's been preparing for us all these years. He's not going to send for us. He's not going to have his angels come and collect us. The Holy Spirit isn't going to gather us up and take us to heaven. The Bible says he's coming back himself to take us to the place that he's been preparing for us throughout all of these years. Now, one of the amazing things about this passage that we're studying and about the whole 14th chapter of the book of John is this. This whole chapter is about the Father. In fact, the word Father in John 14 occurs 23 different times. It's all about the Father. It's about the Father's house. It's about the Father's love for us. And here's what I want you to take away if you don't get anything else from what I've said. Listen to these verses again. In my Father's house are many mansions, and if it were not so, I would have told you. I go to prepare a place for you, and if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. Now watch. That where I am, there you may be also. Get this. He wants us to be with him. (laughs) Say that with me. He wants us to be with him. I don't know if you find that as amazing as I do, knowing myself as I know myself. He wants me to be with him? Oh, yes. Everything that's been going on since the beginning of eternity is all about the desire of the Father to bring us into his immediate presence. He wants us to be 
with him. And don't let it rest just on John chapter 14, for in our Lord's high priestly prayer, he said it this way, Father, I desire that they also whom you gave me may be with me where I am, that they may behold my glory which you have given me, for you love me before the foundation of the world. The next time you get a little discouraged, the next time the news catches you off balance, just remember God loves you so much, he spent eternity preparing a way so that you could be with him forever and ever. He wants you and every one of us who know him. He wants us to be with him for eternity. It was in the darkest days of World War II as defeated U.S. troops in Bataan awaited promised reinforcements. President Roosevelt ordered the ignominious General Douglas MacArthur to leave the Philippine Islands for Australia, virtually deserting his men. When he got to Australia, he made a speech promising those troops and the Filipinos, I shall return. Some of you remember that. And the United States government called him on the carpet and said, you don't want to use the term I. They wanted him to change the term from I to we. They wanted him to say, we shall return. And MacArthur said, I will not do that. His promise, therefore, became a personal thing with him. And four years later, he fulfilled it when he triumphantly reappeared in that part of the world to retake the lost ground and free the captives. Now, ladies and gentlemen, if a general can keep his promise to return, how much more certain is the covenant of that same Jesus of Nazareth? He has promised us he's going to come back. And when he does, he's going to take all of us unto himself. Why? Because he wants us to be with him. And even now he's ascended into heaven and he's preparing our place. And that's how much he loves us. And it's time we start living like that, isn't it? That we are connected to a God who loves us so much. He gave up even his own son to provide a way for us to be with him. Without the death of Jesus on the cross, there is no way we could have fellowship with God, let alone spend eternity with him. He wants us to be there that much. So the first three things are this. Jesus asks us to believe in a person. He asks us to believe in a place. He asks us to believe in a promise. And finally, Jesus asks us to believe in a plan. In verses 5 and 6 of John chapter 14, he lays it all out. It's just so clear. If Jesus was leaving, Thomas wanted to know how to get where he was. He wanted a GPS. Lord, give me a GPS so I can find you. I need to know where you are. Jesus' answer is surely not what Thomas was expecting to hear. Jesus said, I am the GPS. I am the map. I am the way. He's the global positioning savior, GPS. <laughs> he shows the way to heaven and he takes us there. And ultimately, he is the journey himself. I want you to imagine that you're on a business trip. And this is for the guys. We're lost and we don't know where to go, where we're supposed to end up. So we stop in a convenience store to ask for directions. And the cashier gets that all the time. So he fires back the answer and it goes something like this. He says, first right, third traffic light, dog leg left, straight at the Methodist church, go through four or five intersection. You'll see the Jiffy Burger, you've gone too far. What in the world did he just say? You didn't even get the first sentence and you don't have a clue where you're going. But what if the same guy who gave you those rapid-fire directions said, as he saw the despair on your face, oh, you know, I get off here in just about five minutes. Why don't you just hang out here? I go right by it on my way home. I'll take you there. 
Now he's no longer the one giving you the directions. He becomes the directions. He becomes the way. And now you're smiling, and the cashier has become the way. He's not only the directions, he's the means for following the directions. He's your new best friend. William Barclay says in one of his commentaries, this is what Jesus does for us. He does not tell us about the way. He becomes the way. Jesus says something else that many people would rather skip over or explain away. And I'm telling you what, it just frustrates me to death to see good and godly men trying to water this down because it's not politically correct anymore to say it. But let me just read to you again what the Word of God says. Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And if you don't get that, he adds, no man comes to the Father except through me. Now you try that out on the liberal networks of our country and see what happens. But you know what? A long time ago, I quit trying to worry about being politically correct. I want to be biblically correct. I want to tell you what the Word of God says. And here's what the Word of God says. The Word of God says if you're going to go to heaven, you're going to have to go God's way. There aren't a lot of different ways you can get to heaven. Aren't we all on the same path and aren't we all headed toward the same place? No, we're not. The Bible says there is a way that seems right unto a man, and the end of it is the way of death. Here's an interesting analogy for all of us. I can say this with authority. We have all been born, right? All been born. How do we get born? Through the agency of a father and a mother. Oh, you say, what about in vitro? Don't ask me that question. It's all the same. You've got to have two things to get born. You've got to have an egg and a sperm, right? <laughs> And everybody, since the history of the human world has been born physically the same way. Who set it up that way? Almighty God. Don't you think he could do the same thing in the spiritual world if he wanted to? What does the Bible say about us? We are being born again, right? The same God who said we're born the first time the same way is the God who said we're born the second time the same way. There is a plan to get you from where you are to where you want to go, and that plan is very specific and very clear and very exclusive. There is a way, and it's through Jesus Christ. Today we have decided that this ancient, inspired, and specific article of Christian doctrine is no longer politically correct. According to some results of a recent poll, a majority of Americans, 70% to be true, think some non-Christian religions also provide paths to salvation. Pollsters at Pew Research Center were amazed to find how many respondents accredited more than one way to heaven. 57% of evangelicals said they believed many religions can lead to eternal life. 57% of evangelical believers. Nearly half of American evangelicals were left in the category of believing that Jesus is the exclusive way to heaven. Respondents to an online poll by the evangelical periodical Christianity Today indicated a similar belief pattern. 41% believe there's more than one way to heaven. And I want to ask you, what part of John 14, 6 don't you understand? The Lord Jesus made this so clear, you could not possibly miss it if you have an open mind. If you really want to know the truth, don't listen to what people think should be said. Listen to what the Bible says. This is so important that God would not be ambiguous about it. He was absolutely certain and clear. And you know, one of the reasons why we're losing people in our churches and we're not evangelizing, we've lost the sense of urgency. If we really believe there's only one way, we should be out telling people about that, should we not? And not apologizing for it and not backing up and not, you know, what I hear us doing all the time. We, after we get done with all of our preconditions, all the things, by the time we get to the real message, nobody cares. 
We need to be bold. And we not only need to be bold, we need to do it with love and compassion. But ladies and gentlemen, there's only one way to heaven. And that's through Jesus Christ and him alone. And if you haven't found your way to heaven that way, (laughs) you're going to be missing when the roll is called. Don and I have so many wonderful privileges as we travel around the country. We're in a meeting down in North Carolina. And Billy Graham's grandson was there. And he's starting to preach now. I don't know if you've heard him preach. He's a good little preacher. And he sounds like his grandfather. I mean, he's a great preacher. And when he was preaching, he was talking about how everybody wanted to meet him. And he said, I thought they really wanted to meet me. But then I found out they didn't want to meet me. They wanted to meet me because they wanted to meet my grandfather. And he said, I finally came up with a biblical way to answer their question. And this is what I would tell him. He said, I would tell him, the Bible says the way to the Father is through the Son, not through the grandson. And everybody got it. (laughs) Well, laugh as we will. The way to the Father is through the Son, isn't it? That's what the Bible says. And they clearly teach the exclusive way of one way. You say, well, Pastor, that's just an isolated text. There's only one passage in the Bible that says that. Oh? Well, you should read your Bible. Because there's more than one. Let me just give you a few. Are you ready for this? Here's what it says. Matthew 7, 13. Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there are many who go in by it. Narrow gate, narrow mind, you be the judge. John 8, 24. Therefore I said to you that you will die in your sins, for if you do not believe that I am he, you will die in your sins. Acts 4.12, neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. 1 Timothy 2.5, for there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. The scriptures are remarkably clear on this issue. Jesus is the one and only way, the one and only truth, the one and only life. If that is narrow-minded, so be it. I'm happy to be narrow-minded if that's what God is. Because this is his truth and it's not mine. I don't get to make the rules and you don't either. God made the rules. You don't like them? Deal with him. But these are the rules. You want to go to heaven? You go through Jesus Christ, his son. That's the only way. There is no other opportunity. There is no second chance if you miss it. So if you don't know him, that's a pretty serious decision to be thinking through. And I hope you will think about it. Somebody says, well, what about all the other religions? And I'm not going to name them because you can name them. And everybody wants to know about, you know what? Why are we always put on the defensive by that? Why can't we just say, well, you know what? I'm sure these folks mean well, and I'm not going to criticize them. It's not my job to judge them. And who knows, but some of the people that are in those religions have found Christ. What I know is this. I know what I know. And what I know is the Bible says there's one way to God, and that's through Jesus Christ. And my hope is that somehow you will hear that message in time and trust him to be your savior. You see, everybody wants to go to heaven, but you got to make your reservation on earth. You can't get to heaven unless you have a reservation. So there's just one plan. I urge you to make the decision you need to make and say to yourself, you know what? I'm not taking any more chances with this. I've been hanging around the edges of this thing for a long time. I've heard this message. I've always wondered about it, but I'm going to make something happen that will determine where I spend forever I know now what I didn't know before, that Almighty God wants me to be with him. He wants me to be with him, and I'm not going to disappoint him. I'm going to be with him. I'm going to accept his plan. I'm going to accept Jesus Christ as my Savior, and I'm going to be on the list 
when I stand before him someday. Amen? Amen. I hope you hear yourself saying those words as we close today. And you accept Jesus Christ as your personal Savior and join the forever family who will spend eternity with the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, either when he comes back or uh, if we should die before he does that, we will go to be with him and be with him forever. Tomorrow, we're going to talk about how to stay compassionate. Uh, I think this is a really interesting uh, thought because during times when we're under pressure, if we're not careful, we think only of ourselves. But the Scripture releases us from that by showing us that when things are tough, that's when we show compassion for others, and that's when the anxiety is relieved in our own hearts. Tomorrow, part one of Stay Compassionate from First Thessalonians chapter 3. Now, don't forget, friends, we have this book that we want you to have. It's called Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World. The subtitle is Certain Hope in Uncertain Times. I know that because of what we're in right now, we're coming out of this um, this pandemic and we're we're living in such uncertainty. I believe this is truth for our time. And this message and these messages will encourage and strengthen and help you stay strong during these days. So be sure and get the book. When you send your gifts, simply ask for it and we'll send it to you. And I'll be back here tomorrow as we begin lesson number two in the series, Stay Compassionate. I'm David Jeremiah. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Dr. David Jeremiah, the senior pastor. Is Turning Point making a difference in your life? Share your story by writing to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of David's book, Living with Confidence in a Chaotic World, and live with certainty in these uncertain times. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet, or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue living with confidence in a chaotic world on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Legacy. When I think about my life and the legacy I will leave behind one day, I remember the legacy of faith I saw in the lives of my parents, and it is now reflected in the lives of my children and grandchildren. Then I reflect upon the calling God placed on my heart to preach and teach, and I think of the people who have been touched around the world through the ministry of Turning Point. Each of us will leave a legacy. Have you ever wondered what your legacy will be? In addition to the legacy that will be entrusted to your family, perhaps you have considered leaving your imprint on something with eternal consequences. Many people don't think beyond this life. They live only for today with no hope beyond the grave. But for the believer, we not only have an eternal perspective on life today, we want to leave behind a testimony of our faith so that others may come to know Christ as well. Long after you and I finish our time on this earth, Turning Point will continue to bring the unchanging Word of God to an ever-changing world.
there is still so much work to do. Will you join me in this very important effort? What will your legacy be? If you've enjoyed today's program with Dr. David Jeremiah, you might be interested in hearing it again at your convenience. Stay connected to Turning Point by visiting our website at davidjeremiah.ca or by downloading our free Canadian mobile app. The app can be found by searching for Turning Point Canada on your smart device app store. Create an account and order digital resources from today's program with easy one-click checkout at davidjeremiah.ca. 